Welcome back to The Build Podcast. I'm Blake Bartlett, a partner here at OpenView. If you've been following along this season, you know that we're here to figure out the new customer journey and what that means for SaaS. Today, we hear from Stella Garber, who leads marketing for Trello at Atlassian. She quickly rose to VP of marketing and helped lead the company to a $425 million acquisition by Atlassian. That acquisition happened in 2017, and Stella has continued to lead marketing for Trello within Atlassian for the last three years. In today's episode, we unpack the role of B2C marketing strategies in today's B2B environment, how to make agile marketing decisions in a product-led world, and Trello's biggest lessons learned on freemium pricing. That and more on this episode of Build. So let's dive in with Stella Garber. Well, Stella, thank you so much for joining us here on the Build Podcast. It's great to have you. I'm excited to be here. And we're going to jump into the story of Trello from a marketing perspective. And I think a great place to start is hearing a little bit of the before and after picture. I think one thing that's awesome about your experience set is that you spent about three years leading marketing at Trello prior to the acquisition by Atlassian. And then since 2017, you've been leading marketing at Trello under the Atlassian umbrella. And so I'm curious to, to get a little bit of a sense of, you know, what does that before and after picture look like? And what are some of the biggest ways in which, you know, Trello has, you know, evolved since that acquisition? Yeah, that's a meaty question. So I was the uh, first marketing hire for Trello way back in 2014. And I, when I was hired, we had just raised our series A and we're building out our executive team. And it was really sort of a dream opportunity for me because I loved the product. I am a very type A person. So I was using Trello to plan my own wedding. I was using it to run the startup I was running before I I joined. And so I got a call from our CEO, Michael Pryor, and he was like, do you want to come start up marketing for us? And I I was like, wow, this is is feeling very meta. So... Back when I started, it was your sort of your traditional high-growing, fast-paced startup life where things are always changing. And we were that market of project management and Slack had just become a thing. It was very new and Trello was one of, I think, an early entrant. The product launched in 2011 and we sort of grew organically. And then, as I mentioned, um, I came on board in 2014 to build out marketing. So we were sort of making things up as we went along, as many startups do. And having come from a background in being a founder before and doing startups, it it was something I was very comfortable in. And so we started really thinking about a lot of the fundamental reasons for why Trello was organically already growing. It was a product that had a lot of virality to begin with. So I remember when when I interviewed at Trello, Michael asked me to put together a marketing plan. You know, what would I do in my first... 60 days or whatever it was. And I built out a traditional B2B marketing plan. I still remember it was on a Trello board. I thought I was so clever. And it was sort of having every step in the funnel and how we would be moving people from trying the free product to paying, you know, converting to Well, we only had one paid product back then. And he was like, this is awesome. I really like it. Now I want you to throw this away. 
and go back and make a marketing plan that's all about growth. Don't worry about anything but growing our user base. And I was like, okay, <laughs> back to the drawing board. So that sort of was like the first couple of years that I was at Trello. We were really super fixated on growth and creating sort of like a moat around us because we knew that we had an early advantage with our virality with this sort of consumerization of enterprise software which was just getting started it wasn't a cliche back back then and so we did things like we really focused on the marketing side on organic growth inbound marketing content marketing pr having sort of an outsized presence in all things organic because obviously we were a startup we didn't have a giant marketing budget and we also, again, had this competitive advantage with the virality. So we were doing everything we could to try to make that spread. We also did things like launch internationally in 21 languages in four separate countries. And that was really thinking about reducing the, the barriers to entry for people to try Trello. And then right around the time of the acquisition, we were sort of starting to think about our series B and starting to think a lot more about monetization. We were building out our sales team and all of a sudden on the marketing side, we had to do things like support sales and generate MQLs and work closely with the sales team. So our marketing strategies started to shift from being, you know, 100% growth oriented to being revenue oriented and uh, supporting sales. And then when we were acquired by Atlassian, it was amazing, life-changing, crazy roller coaster ride time. It's funny because I feel like even though I've been with Trello for six years, every six months our company changes or the product, the product hasn't changed too much, but you know, in terms of the stage of where we are or, you know, the challenges that we're facing, the the things that we're trying to solve, it really does change. And when we joined Atlassian, it was just a crazy opportunity for us. For me, it was, you know, going from having a full funnel marketing team, but also being extremely scrappy to being part of a world-class marketing organization with hundreds of people who are very specialized and trying to figure out how we fit into that, how my team fit into that, and really try to take advantage of all of the learning that we could, we had at our fingertips now that we were part of a much larger company. As you're describing this, you know, post-acquisition world of small, scrappy, uh, full-funnel marketing team joining a world-class marketing organization that has a global footprint with, you know, hundreds of people and all this sophistication. You mentioned brand and brand campaigns. Are there any things in particular where you kind of have adopted or, or sort of uh, had specific influence from Atlassian of things you didn't do before at Trello that now you are doing that you've layered into the mix? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Atlassian, like you said, very sophisticated go-to-market org. And one of the things probably that we adopted really quickly was being much more metrics oriented. I mean, obviously we were very metrics oriented to begin with, but when you're at a startup, a lot of times you don't have the resources to build out like a full-fledged data team or a full-fledged growth team. And Atlassian had not only all of those resources that had a culture of 
being extremely data-driven, extremely research-driven, and also the culture at Atlassian is very much about openness and transparency and knowledge sharing. So we actually use Confluence, which is an Atlassian product, but we use it as an internal just wiki or database encyclopedia of everything. So anytime someone learns something or does an experiment, it's all documented in Confluence. So it's really funny when when new folks join Atlassian, you sort of feel overwhelmed because anything that you ever wanted to know about any campaign or initiative or plan, it's all openly shared by a confluence. So you can learn as much as you want, but it's also, there's a lot of information there. So I think for us as a, a coming into this organization that was very metrics oriented, there was also a level of planning that we weren't really used to being a startup. Atlassian plans annually, like I'm sure most companies of, of this stage and we at that point had been planning maybe quarterly <laughs> on a quarterly cadence. So it was kind of crazy to come in and start thinking about, you know, so far ahead. So I think Atlassian also gave us a lot of structure in terms of decision making and processes. For example, one of my favorite things at Atlassian is whenever there is a decision that needs to be made, people will use this framework called the DACY framework. And it's like, I think it's fairly used widely, but I had never heard of it before, but it's around a decision, you put together a page or a document that's all about the background information. And there's a driver of the decision that's gathering all of the information about the decision. There's an approver, there are contributors to the decision, and then there are people who are informed. And this is so great because a lot of times, you know, organizations, you never really know who the decision maker is or, you know, you don't have all of the information that you need to make a decision and that can slow people down or slow companies down. And here we have this really great tool that is such a part of our culture that people know what to do when there's a tough decision to be made. So I can think of countless examples like that, but they really changed our culture and our product and marketing processes to be much more sophisticated or process driven or yeah layered and and obviously the influence goes both ways especially in an acquisition you know Trello already had tens of millions of users at the time of acquisition and so I'm curious to to get a sense of what have you brought to to the Atlassian team and and how has Trello influenced the parent company now We've actually influenced Atlassian quite a bit, even though we were a small team, we we're around 100 or 120 people when we were acquired. I think Atlassian at the time was around 2,000 people or somewhere around there. But when we came in, we brought this sort of lighthearted, delightful approach to software. I mean, Atlassian at the time, it was very developer oriented. And so a lot of the brand and the marketing was very corporate or buttoned up. And Trello's brand is much more, I guess, delightful. It's much more consumer oriented, you might say. So we brought sort of that appeal to Atlassian. We brought a different business model. So at the time, Atlassian didn't have any freemium offerings 
And we were coming in with uh, a freemium product, essentially, and a freemium business model on the marketing side, which was not something that Atlassian was structured for from many different, from a strategic standpoint, from an analytic standpoint, from a strategic standpoint. So that was something that we brought in as an area where we could help Atlassian learn. And ultimately, Atlassian, you know, we launched uh, free versions of our cloud products last year. And another area that we brought in expertise, which is super relevant right now, is remote work. We were a remotely distributed team from the very beginning. We had an office in New York. But I'm based in Chicago. Most of my team is remotely distributed. I think at the time of acquisition, we were like 60 to 70% remotely distributed, and now it's even more. So we brought in a new way of working to Atlassian and one that we really believed in, as it that worked really well for our team and we really advocated for internally. So you know, it was something where we helped open up the minds of the folks around us that there were alternate ways of working versus everyone just being in an office in San Francisco or Sydney. That's great. Well, I think both of those things are impactful for different reasons, obviously, but really cool to see the way that you guys have influenced the larger org uh, in, in many different ways. I think one thing you mentioned that uh, certainly stood out to me was uh, talking about the brand voice and bringing in some of more of that playful and sort of more human and fun element of marketing as well as just kind of product philosophy. It reminds me of, we recently had Justin Gallagher on the podcast to talk about Trello's product principles. And he told me, you know, some of the things like making it universal and easy and personal, collaborative, fun. You know, those are some of the, the guiding design and product principles you guys have. And it very much comes through in the way that you talk about the product as well from a messaging standpoint. And so, you know, I think the word he used was there, there's kind of this innate sense that you get once you've been at Trello for a while if something's Trello-y or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like you guys are doing a great job of staying Trello-y pre and post acquisition. So that's actually a great example. Justin and I work very, very closely together. And one of the sort of banes of my existence was trying to define for the organization what the hell Trello-y actually meant. You know, we call each other Trellis, the folks who work at Trello. You would have people from Trello in a room with other Atlassian product folks, and they would be like, no, 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 that, that's not Trello-y enough. Or, you know, we're looking at designs and we'd say, mm, that's not Trello-y. Or actually the first big brand campaign that we ran, I remember trying to explain what Trello-y was to the agency that we hired. And I'm pretty sure they thought I was crazy. <laughs> Since then, we have defined the product principles. And actually, one of the first things that I did when I joined Trello was to put together a brand manifesto and a brand book and really try to hammer down what exactly we were trying to accomplish with this more human approach. What were the things that were trello -y? both from a product and marketing standpoint, because one of the things that I strongly believe in is that, you know, to the customer, there's no boundary for when marketing ends and product begins or support ends. It's all about the full funnel customer lifetime experience. And so the more that we can get aligned with all of the different functional areas so that it, it is a seamless experience when it comes to the brand voice, when it comes to the visual identity, when it comes to just any touch point for a customer. I think that's one thing that Trello has really excelled at. 
And that's one thing that I can say as a leadership team that we, we think a lot about. We're very, very close on the product and marketing side. And to ask you another meaty question that I'm sure we could uh, go into a lot of different directions on, and you alluded to it a bit when you were describing the background, but I guess I'm curious to understand, and I know our listeners are as well, some of the biggest differences in doing marketing for a product and at a company like Trello versus doing marketing in a more traditional B2B context. You know, if I think about, you know, marketing for a Salesforce or a NetSuite or a more traditional kind of SaaS application, what are some of the biggest differences that you see there? And what would a marketer need to, to bear in mind if they're looking to market a product like Trello? I think a lot of it has to do with the stage of the company and the size of the marketing team. At a startup, everyone has to wear all of the hats. And that was certainly the case when we sort of at the time of acquisition of Atlassian, we had, my team was small, but mighty. And we were touching all aspects of marketing, things like product marketing, content marketing, email marketing, even sales enablement, demand generation. And it's not like we had those disciplines within the team of 10 people or so, or maybe even less. It was like, these are the things that we needed to do to reach our targets and our goals. And a person might be doing one thing one day, sending out a a newsletter to 10 million people one day, and then the next day be working on sales enablement materials. So I think that when you're at a startup, you just have to be very flexible and you have to be very open to doing what needs to be done. Whereas when you're at a larger company, there are more focused disciplines. For example, when we came into Atlassian, my team fit under the product marketing umbrella, but Atlassian has a shared service model when it comes to our marketing org. So what that means is that we have a team of specialists that just focus on email marketing. We have a team of specialists that just focus on performance marketing. We have a team of specialists that just focus on demand generation and the list goes on and on. And then what happens is that the different products have cross-functional teams that align on projects to get things done. So that model is very, very different. And I think there's a lot of merits to it. There's definitely some drawbacks to it, but it allows companies to be flexible at scale when they're running marketing campaigns. But it also doesn't work well for, I would say, a startup because number one, you need people to have cross-disciplinary expertise, or at least be willing to develop that cross-disciplinary expertise. And people don't have as much knowledge about the certain product as they do about their area of expertise. For example, our performance marketing team, you know, they service all of the different products that Atlassian, they don't, they rely on the product marketers to have that nuanced understanding of how a product works, the messaging, the voice, the business model, And they're sort of not on the hook for that. Whereas in a smaller company, a smaller team, you have to just do all of those things. So I would think as a marketer, I always, whenever people ask me, you know, like, what should I do with my career? Should I join a startup? It's always really about what you want to learn at a company like Atlassian, let's say you have access to so much expertise. That was another one of the amazing things about the acquisition was 
whenever we had a question, there was always someone internally that was like a subject matter expert we could tap to learn versus trying to figure out someone that we could talk to on the outside who could help us inform our strategy. So I think those are those are probably the big the big areas. There's also, I'd say, going back to this idea of planning, when you're at a startup or a smaller company, you can be a lot more nimble with planning and budgets. And at a larger company, especially one that's public, those budgets are set well in advance. And so you have to be thinking really long term about your marketing strategy and your plans, which is a good thing. It could also be a bad thing if you can't be as responsive to what's going on in the market. And another thing that occurs to me in in full disclosure, I've never been a marketer. So let me know if this is too much of a hot take here. But (laughs) if I think about marketing for a product like Trello and and you, you sort of indicated some of this, versus more of a traditional SaaS, you know, B2B application. There are some elements where, you know, the marketing looks more like B2C marketing than it does traditional B2B marketing. You mentioned in the very beginning of Trello, the goal was grow the user base, grow the user base, grow the user base. And acquiring individual users and driving virality, you know, again, to me, has a lot of discipline or a lot of sort of skills that come from the B2C world versus the, you know, let's get an MQL and nurture them sort of over a cadence and hand them off to SDRs and all that kind of stuff. Is that a fair way to think about it? Or are there fewer B2C tendencies coming into B2B these days? No, I think I wouldn't call that a hot take. I think that's totally right. Part of my philosophy has always been that people are people. You're selling to humans and humans all have the same motivations. They want to be successful. They want to achieve things. They want to look good in front of their boss or whatever it is. People, they want to help other people. And so when we think about Trello, we always thought about not just a persona, uh, like an HR professional between the ages of 25 and 35 who lives in these geos. Like we didn't have traditional personas like that we were thinking about what people wanted to accomplish using Trello. What are the feelings that they wanted to feel? How would they want to collaborate with their team? And also really thinking about the application of Trello usage from a personal standpoint to a professional standpoint. Like I remember early days, we were working on a partnership with Apple and the woman who I was talking to about I was explaining Trello and she was like, oh yeah, like I was using Trello at work and then I used it to plan my five-year-old's birthday party. And then we started using it on the PTA board. And that was exactly the sort of virality that we were trying to stoke with our marketing and our product strategy, this idea that people are whole and you can't just sort of pigeonhole them into a certain area. And we always hesitated to pick of verticals to jump into, which I think is was a strategic choice about being a horizontal product. It's, it was also a blessing and a curse from a marketing standpoint because there's this, this sort of like saying for marketers that if you if you don't know who you're marketing to or you don't define who you're marketing to, you're marketing to nobody. And we were trying to market to everybody. And I think we were fairly successful because early on, we we tried to really understand our audience around what they were trying to accomplish with Trello. So themes like productivity, managing projects, working as a team, these sorts of things were the things that people really came to Trello and we became thought leaders from a marketing standpoint about. And also, obviously, our product helped enable that. 
Now, at a point in Trello's product maturity, we developed an enterprise product because more than 80% of the Fortune 500 today use Trello in some capacity. And we have an enterprise product to sell to those, to sell within the enterprise. We have a sales team and we have a part of our team that is doing the more traditional B2B part, you know, with the demand generation, the nurturing, the MQLs, the SLAs with sales. So we do all of that. But I think a lot of it is what was revolutionary at the time in Slack, we were sort of partnered with Slack in terms of having a similar business strategy was that bottoms up B2B to C strategy where it was like sort of consumery, but spreading within a business, people really latching on to things that were easy to use, things that were cross-departmental, things that weren't difficult to use or learn across a team. And those are the areas where we could do things like generate product qualified leads and do a lot more of what is now called product-led growth. At the time, we just called it growing Trello <laughs> between marketing and product. So I, I think what I love about what I do is that it, it spans across this breadth of somewhat consumer, but not really call it B2B to C, but then there's also like a pretty hardcore B2B component as well. I think that's a really helpful way to explain it and to to help outline it is that they're not mutually exclusive and it's not out with the old and in with the new, so to speak. There is room and need for both the traditional Mm -hmm. B2C characteristics and marketing tactics as well as the traditional B2B. As you were describing it, the thing that occurred to me is kind of really is, well, where does the journey start? And that will inform what you lead with, right? Because in in your case, starting with a freemium product that is more mass market oriented, that has a huge diversity of users and use cases, you're going to start and you're looking for the individual user to acquire rather than the account or the executive buyer. That will have the more B2C-like characteristics for the beginning part of the journey. But then if that individual person happens to be in a large enterprise account, and then they tell their team about it, and then slowly it starts to spread inside the organization, then there's an opportunity for traditional B2B marketing in a more customer marketing type of context. And so there's, there's an opportunity for both. They can kind of collaborate together with one another. The key question is just really, well, where does your journey begin? And then you just need to set up the order of operations to be appropriate with how the journey begins and then how it continues from there. Absolutely. We always see Trello spreading within an organization, and there's usually some sort of advocate or evangelist that is driving that that growth within an org. And so we know that if we can find those people, that we can you know connect them with understanding the value of our our paid products and showing that value early on within their usage of the product. I think it's very different from you know the traditional B two B model where you have to hook up with a salesperson and get a demo and let's say a trial or something. And, you know, I've purchased B2B software like that, certainly. But with something like Trello, it's much different. It's that people are using it within an org. They have to find value within the paid product and you as the marketer or the marketing team or what the materials that you put together you know, you can be fun and delightful when you're talking to the individual user, but when that enterprise buyer comes, the brand has to extend in a way that is speaking their language while also not feeling completely alien. So when you look at Trello's enterprise marketing materials, 
we have a more enterprise oriented voice that's still true to the Trello brand and is Trello-y, but is more enterprise oriented than sort of consumer oriented. So we definitely think about that spectrum of experience. We also think about but what information and resources people are looking for based on where they are in their customer lifecycle or user journey as well. So it's definitely something that we are working on. We're by no means experts, but I think that taking that approach of being very value-driven and not even value-driven, but like making that relationship with the user is very, very valuable. It's something that we've invested heavily in in terms of strategy and something that we see so much value from. And I think is also one of the big reasons why Atlassian acquired us was because we had sort of that love that is very, very rare. I think at the time, maybe only Slack also had it where there was that just throng of, of passionate users that love the product so much. And the and Trello were very lucky and we're very strategic about cultivating that audience and making sure that they're seeing value and then hopefully converting that into revenue down the line. And I guess my, my last meaty question for you is to unpack a little bit more of the other roles in the funnel. We're talking a lot about marketing here, but you've indicated some of the roles of marketing versus growth versus products. And then now, as you guys have grown as an organization, some of the humans that get involved into the funnel, whether they're salespeople or support people. And I'm just wondering, kind of, how does that funnel work? And how does the ownership of you know, who does what inside the go-to-market team at Trello, how, how does that all come together? Sure. So we actually are very, very cross-functional in our approach to these different types of metrics, let's say acquisition, ac- activation conversion rates. We have teams of PMs or product managers, designers, engineers, and then we also have product marketing managers that sit on those teams. And their job is to represent the customer in the full customer journey. Because a lot of times, you know, that product team may just be focused on one specific metric or one specific piece. So it really depends on what the initiative is but most of the metrics we have are joined. It tends to be more, I guess, that once users enter the product, the product team does tend to own more of those metrics or, I mean, just naturally, they drive a lot more of the user behavior and the changes because they have those engineering and design resources. Whereas on the marketing side, we tend to be, in terms of ownership, we are more focused on getting users to the website, getting users to sign up, getting users to sales, et cetera. But again, it, this philosophy about not being too siloed in terms of the, the metrics and really thinking about the customer journey as, as a whole, I think it served us really well because you can, I feel like as a user, you can tell in companies when you go in and the experience between what, what you see on the website And then what you experience in the product is completely disjointed. Like you can tell, I'm like, okay, this was a brand team. (laughs) They redesigned the website. The product team didn't know about it. You can see that the colors are different and the the wording is different. And with Trello, we, we try just so hard to make sure that it is a very seamless experience with every touch point. And, and that goes into sales. It goes into our support. 
you know, we have that Trello voice in terms of guidelines about not only how we write copy on our website, how we write copy within the product, but also how we communicate with customers through support. You're going to get that consistent Trello voice throughout, and it's something that's very strategic for us. Got to keep it Trello-y, right? Got to keep whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I think that's a that's a really helpful walkthrough of the the nature of the cross-functional teams and that there are shared goals. And so the sort of old world mentality of there's a lot more distinct stages in the funnel where marketing owns top, owns top of funnel and is responsible for generating MQLs, passing those MQLs off to sales development those then get turned into you know, sales qualified leads. And if they're accepted, they get turned into sales accepted leads by AEs. And then eventually you get a gong or a closed one. And there's kind of more distinct who does what and who owns what. But you're describing a situation in which you know, these cross-functional teams of having product managers and product marketers and marketers themselves um, all together trying to figure out how do we accomplish this shared goal? It really does seem to be the, the way that the software world is, is moving. I mean, we definitely have those stages. I'm not going to say that it's all collaborative all the time, but I think it is more collaborative in the sense that when I think about our sales folks, they have a direct line into our enterprise product team, and they're constantly sharing feedback from customers and engaging with customers. And if you have more of those silos, you don't get that really that really useful first-person data and feedback that can inform the product and inform product decisions. So we try to be very mindful about not having it be too distinct, but obviously like we have an MQL number on the marketing side that we have to hit and sales has a a bookings number that they have to hit. So it's much more collaborative, but it's, you know, that traditional funnel is, is still there. And then the last thing you said that that really stood out to me was just the need for things to be consistent. That idea that oftentimes you can have the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. The brand team sort of is describing the product in a way that you're not seeing reflected in the actual product itself. And so that's that's another benefit of cross-functional teams is not just being able to sh- achieve a shared goal, but also to to maintain consistency of message such that the product you've built and the value that it delivers is exactly how it's described in the product marketing, which is exactly how it's described in the brand marketing, which is exactly what you see even down to like a specific call to action. And that you shouldn't sort of feel like it's a disjointed experience because that's what leads to bouncing and that's what leads to to churn in the funnel. But the cross-functional team kind of creates this cohesion that also just means for a more seamless, natural experience to the user and to the customer. Yeah, and I think that that is easier to accomplish when you're smaller. When I think back to a lot of the foundation and the roots with having this consistent experience was because like one of my first hires on the marketing side was actually someone from our support team and he knew the product in and out and we worked to make sure that everything at the time we didn't even realize what we were doing was product marketing. It was just making sure that everything was consistent, that the messaging was consistent, that the when we were talking about product launches, that we had the Trello voice both in the product and the blog post. So it's really interesting that now many years down the line and you know we're part of a much larger company where companies are actively and strategically thinking about these things and 
trying to create these links between people so that they aren't in silos, which is, you know, what usually happens, but it can happen a lot more organically on smaller teams because people are working more closely together. And in closing, Stella, my final question for you is this. So obviously 2020 has been quite the year. We're only halfway through and um, I don't know where to begin on describing the year. For you, I guess, uh, as a marketer, what's your number one marketing lesson learned in 2020 so far? Well, the number one thing that I've learned this year is how important authenticity is in terms of generating or continuing to generate like brand loyalty, thought leadership. You know, Trello, we had been talking about remote work for ages, since 2014, when we first launched our content marketing strategy and we were a remote team and we were like, hey, this is a new thing. We should write about it. We have some expertise. And over the years, we just saw more and more people becoming interested in it. We developed content. Our CEO spoke on panels about being a founder and what it's like to have a remotely distributed team. We had a big ebook a couple of years ago that we wrote about remote work with a bunch of other companies like Envision and Buffer that were also sort of pioneers in the space. And so when the uh, pandemic hit and people found themselves working from home, which I just want to emphasize, pandemic working from home is not remote work. You usually have childcare and are not worried about your health all the time and safety. So, but anyways, you know, overnight, all of these software companies turned into remote work experts and were pumping out content. And it to me, it just felt so inauthentic. And we could sort of see that from what was going on in the social sentiment. And what we did, what we had all of this content, we already had the sort of the foundational work done. And we just started re-releasing our content and talking about the experiences that we've had as a leadership team, scaling, hiring, onboarding, all of those things that are really tricky to begin with. And we definitely saw a huge, huge influx of interest, but also people who really appreciated the fact that we weren't just overnight experts about it. And so I, I I talk about this a lot with other marketers about like leaning into what makes your brand authentic or not trying to do everything for everybody because it, I think that authenticity is what is such a, an important part of building loyalty and brand love over time. I think that's one of the big things that I've learned from a marketing standpoint, aside from all of the other sort of cliche things about being flexible and, you know, rewriting your plans and Another one is like just about being empathetic to your users. When things were crazy, we slowed down our content production. We just could see that people were not as engaged. We thought about what part of our content strategy we should ramp up, what parts we should ramp down, and those types of things. So yeah, it's hard to believe we're only halfway through. Who knows what's going to happen? We're going to make it through. But uh, what you described (laughs) there is authenticity, not being opportunistic to take advantage of a situation that comes through loud and clear to the folks that you're marketing to. And so I think that's a great place for us to leave it. Stella, this has been incredibly awesome and incredibly helpful to unpack how you guys think about marketing at Trello. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Build Podcast. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build Podcast. If you liked what you've heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. 
Follow me, Blake Bartlett, on LinkedIn for daily product-led growth content and to let me know what you think about the show. Join me this season on Build as we figure out the new customer journey and what comes next in product-led growth. One thing is for sure, all of us in the product-led community are in this together. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you next time here on Build.